You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Sunday morning and welcome to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. I am so glad you're able to join me Um, this morning. We have had a wonderful and informative um, series of discussions this month. It's October Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I have devoted four of the shows this month. We were going to spend this month of conversations together, so I am excited um, to have my cup of coffee and to have time with her again this morning. Avis, good morning, and how are you? Good morning, Tanya. I'm doing great. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful as the season has changed and the cooler temperatures have have blown into our city. I'm doing really fabulous. I'm excited to be alive for another Breast Cancer Awareness Month as a 20-year breast cancer survivor myself. Um, Today, I thought we would just, we've been talking with other ladies about their experiences with breast cancer, and I thought it would be nice to um, delve a little deeper into how we handled it from a spiritual standpoint and just a peace standpoint, because it is overwhelming to learn that you have breast cancer. For me, I was 20, I was 32. I lost my mother at 29. I lost my mom to breast cancer. She, um, had it. It went into remission for five years. And um, one day she called me. I was working here at the Review Journal newspaper. I used to be a reporter. And she called and um, strangest, just the strangest conversation. And she wanted to know, did I have a friend nearby me in the newsroom? And I was like, you know, mom, come on, it's deadline. And I'm at work, what's going on? And she had been away from the house most of the day that day she was retired. And she told me they had found a tumor in her liver, her breast cancer had metastasized to her liver and eventually it spread to her bones. And my mom died from breast cancer in 1999. So that's been quite, it was kind of the path that led me into doing so much work around breast cancer. And then four years later, to my surprise, because I never thought it would be then, um, I was told that I had breast cancer as well, ductal carcinoma inside to um, the beginning, just the the very zero, zero to four stages, and I had zero, stage zero um, cancer. But I just think that it's really important to encourage women to take care of ourselves, to be in tune to our bodies, to do the monthly self-breast exams. But then when you are diagnosed, how do you cope with it? Um, So I want to say to you, Avis, we've talked a lot about your your experience and some of the other shows, but how did you cope with the breast cancer when you were, you know, going through your treatment and managing having a family? Well, Tanya, it was difficult. Uh, I had 
a great support mechanism, being my family and friends. And and I'm so glad that I had a relationship with God. And I knew that I was going to survive it, but I was I wasn't quite sure. You know, it, your mind moves a mile a minute. And when you hear the word cancer, it frightens everyone. It's the uncertainty of not knowing whether or not you're going to live or die. So for me, when I was diagnosed in January 2010 with invasive ductal carcinoma, uh, it I went in for my yearly mammogram. Let me just rewind for a minute here. I went in for my yearly mammogram, and three days later, three, I think two or three days later, I received a notice in the in the mail stating that something looks abnormal and can I return? And I went back in, and I finally got the final notice a couple of days later stating that everything was normal. But later on, from January 2010, up until maybe March or April, I, I started feeling very fatigued. And I, I, at the time, I was an operation manager for FedEx Express, uh, being a mother, being a wife, and uh, just balancing life balance, if you will. And so I thought maybe it was just, okay, you're just a little over, you're overly tired, get some rest, but that wasn't the case. So I went back to the doctor and I say, I'm getting, I'm really tired. What's going on? And so we never went back to think about doing another mammogram. We just thought maybe, hey, you know, your your um, iron level may, must be low or why don't you slow down? You know, you're wearing so many different hats at the time. But then May came around of 2010, and that's when I was really at my worst with feeling extremely fatigued. But not only that, I found two lumps underneath my right breast. And so I called my doctor immediately and went in to see her that next day. And that's when I found out that I was diagnosed with a breast cancer, invasive ductal carcinoma. And so to answer your question, uh, it's a shock. It's a shock. Uh, in fact, I, I I almost fainted. You know, I, I dropped the phone. I remember uh, dropping the phone. I actually fell to the floor in my bedroom because I just came from work. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have breast cancer. And it hits you like a brick. It really does. But then I knew that, yes, absolutely. So we immediately had to move quickly uh, with the process because I was informed by the doctors that I was diagnosed with stage four. So we had the best doctors in San Diego, Dr. Barone and Dr. Jennifer Fisher as my oncologist. And Dr. Jennifer had had breast cancer as well. So she said, Avis, you're in good hands. You know, uh, we're going to treat you as we treat it myself. But I tell you what, Tanya, when you're signing that dotted line with your signature on it, it's almost like the casket is closed. 
You know, I mean, that's an interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, everybody has a different reaction to what um, what they experience. You know, um, I was I, I am a three time breast cancer survivor, so I was diagnosed twice with the same diagnosis, and that is an oddity in and of itself because most of the time. When women are diagnosed with breast cancer, the second occurrence is much more um, aggressive or severe than usually a first diagnosis. So a recurrence is always, I've always experienced that anyone who's had something, a recurrence is worse. So in my case, at 32, I was diagnosed with ductal carcinoma inside two stage zero. And, and that was 2003. In 2007, I was again diagnosed with the same exact ductal carcinoma inside two stage zero. And both incidents were on the right side. And the third um, incident uh, stems from, I think, with my second procedure. So to give people further understanding, um, when they did the first procedure, they put a marker in your breast. So it tells them where the cell activity was. And so they always have a sense of a, of a radar going on there. Here's an area this we're watching this area. So every year or six months, it was every six months I did a mammogram, then six months I would do an MRI, six month mammogram MRI, and this alternated for on I went on with this for a very, very, very long time. So in 2007, when I went in to have um, a second lumpectomy, because I had a lumpectomy in my first time and I had a and that's where they take um, just the area of a tissue that is affected by cancer and then they get what they call clear margins so they get clear margins meaning they take enough cell and then they take cell around it to make sure they've gotten the area and the cancer is contained in what has been extracted from the body so for my second procedure they went in the, the uh, radiology technician went in to set a marker for the surgeon to do the procedure set it incorrectly i went into my my surgery the second time around i'm under anesthesia the marker is not where it needs to be so there's a marker for the breast cancer and a marker where she should be going but there was something that wasn't right so now i'm under anesthesia and everything's wrong so she took cells and I came through it. She let me know what happened. Pretty much woke up, saw her in a post-op. And she says, I'm not certain that I got it. My pathology report came back absolutely clean for no further cancer. So the situation was we had to take and wait and see with a follow-up mammogram and watch it to see if anything was there. Was the pathology report correct? Was the only cancer, the cancer that cells that were extracted in the biopsy that determined there was a second occurrence of breast cancer to begin with. So it was quite a, quite a journey. About six months, I think it was or so later, um, I was due for one of those alternating um, mammograms with the mammogram MRI. And I felt a lump under my surgical scar. And it ended up being considered a third case. So that was how I ended up with the third case. And at that point, I had adenocarcinoma. Um, and they set it at stage 2A, and they did a sentinel node biopsy. And for those who don't understand what that is, that's when they take the lymph nodes under your arm that are leading out of your breast area into your underarm, because that's your lymphatic system, which um, things flow into your bloodstream through that pathway. And so they do a sentinel node biopsy. But what is good to know about that is it can only be done once. So once your sentinel node, your lymph nodes are mapped, they cannot be mapped again. And that point is crucial because uh, Avis, with my first procedure, 
One of the doctors that I saw, because I got three opinions, and one of those doctors wanted to do a sentinel node mapping on my first case. And when I ultimately um, was treated by Dr. Josette Spots, who's a very well-respected breast specialist, she's since retired um, here in the Valley. But Dr. Josette Spots said to me, that can only be done once. And once it's done, it can't be done again. So we can't waste. It's like having... Um, playing spades or some card game and having the wild card that lets you do whatever you want to do. Like you, but you can only play it once, but it's like, or the get out of jail free pass. And she was like, we just can't waste it. It's too important and it's too valuable to um, a woman in this journey. So I did not end up having my lymph nodes mapped into my third diagnosis. Um, it's just so much that goes into being healthy or trying to be healthy through uh, a breast cancer journey, you mentioned faith, and that was the basis. The real my relationship with God for me, like you, was the basis of, of everything. everything. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, we know that it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. It really does. You know, it, it, the toll it takes is the mental, the 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 emotionality of it all the financial part of it the spirituality and the physical part of dealing with how are you going to get through this and so because I have a very strong faith in God I knew that He was going to spare me my life uh, you know again I had the triple negative where I went in for a fall, uh, one of my doctor appointments. And next thing I know, I was waking up out of surgery. And you talked about the lentinoids. And so what happened was uh, they went in and removed six of my lentinoids because they were extremely swollen is what I was told. And they were not taking any chances of not knowing if the cancer had move through my cavity of the entire body. So to avoid that, that's when I was treated with the most expensive medication out there called EMSI. There's, there were little tiny pills. And I remember paying, uh, was it $425 for four? Is it 325 or 425 All I remember was very, very expensive. And those they, they, I had to have taken those to protect my organs because we weren't quite sure if the cancer had was, you know, we just, we just, they, they were great. You know, but when you have the best doctors with great insurance, your care uh, you is, yeah, you feel, you feel comfortable. It's you're a level comfort of zone. comfort. You're right. I mean, I was, I was very, I even did a um, second opinion at UNLV, not UNLV, um, Universe, UCLA, I'm sorry, got my letters mixed up as we're here hanging out at, at, UC, at UNLV today. But I went to UCLA and I got a second opinion there on my third diagnosis as well. And you're right, having good health care uh, makes a huge difference, which was part of why I volunteered for so many years, about eight years with Coleman, because as they would raise money here, raise money here in the valley, it stayed in the valley to help people right here, people who were disadvantaged. And I know you do work with the American Cancer Society as as an ambassador. And I was president of the board of directors for Susan G. Komen for a number of years and did a lot of work in their multicultural outreach component. That's how I came onto the board. And we really um, were able to get Pink and Purple Worship or Pink Worship Sunday to become a big deal just to get into um, churches and um 
spread the word, have a pink day, focus on breast cancer, dote on the women. And I know a lot of organizations do that um, around this time of the year. They spend time focusing on women and families to remind them that there's a great support system here and that there are people who love you. And there's nothing like a good support system. There are groups out there that women can check into and talk with. So you're not alone. I was not big on support groups. And for me, I wanted to really keep my my prayer circle really small because I wanted the right thing to be said over me. The Mm -hmm. power of life and death is in the tongue. And I really, truly believe that is what you say. And I wanted the right things to be said over me. Um, yeah, I, in, in treat- yeah. yeah, it's important. I was triple positive to your point about being triple negative as African-American women. Usually African-American women are diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, as we know, which means the as Dr. Christensen discussed with us earlier this month, the course of treatment is not guaranteed. They don't know that it works. Studies have not proven that triple negative breast cancer responds to Um, the course of treatment, whereas I was triple positive. So I had the receptors on my cells that received and welcomed in the medication to do what it's supposed to do to manage the cancer cells. So I was treated with the Taxotera carboplatin herceptin approach because I was um, her two new positive. And that's That's a a a big that you Mm -hmm. made. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point that you made, Tanya, because with when you have the triple negative, there is not a guarantee that the chemo is going to, your body's going to be receptive to it. Because from what I understand, some women that have received the chemo, unfortunately, the body says, hey, you know, this is great. I like it. But it's not allowing you to fight it off, fight off the dead cells. You know, in my case, yeah, it didn't work. It did not work at all. So I'm very, very fortunate that the tamoxifen that I had worked really well, and I refer to it as the red devil. And it kills the good and the bad cells where you lose all your hair. But the good thing about me was my cousin, Theta Grant, uh, out of Virginia, her friend that worked at Raytheon had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And so she found out that I was the first person in my family to ever be exposed to breast cancer. And I ate well, I exercised, I was healthy. So I thought, so it was really a surprise to the family that Avis has breast cancer of all people, you know? And so, you know, but to that point, it doesn't discriminate that way though, Avis. I mean, I was 32. Um, I was a couple years out of my 20s. I've always eaten well and exercised, you know, as a cheerleader, did different things, stayed active, moved around, had a good diet. I had a girlfriend, may she rest her soul, I lost to breast cancer. We're talking about vegetarian, vegan, maybe a little bit pescatarian, but 100% conscious of her diet, um, inter-exercise. Um, very much wanting to to get into holistic approaches most of the time. And I lost her to breast cancer. So it does not discriminate because you are into exercising and you have a healthy diet. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, I, I, I can't point out enough how important it is to manage stress, to really to manage stress. I find for me that internal energy that stirs you up, that's negative about the things that you're worrying about that may correct themselves anyway, 
that we let stress really weigh in on us. Tensions with, with relationships, tensions at work, um, financial mm-hmm. tension. There's all these things that go on in life, just the world, politics, circumstances, things that bother us. The things that weigh us down are negative factors on our health. And yeah. um, it really wreaks havoc internally. And you have to make sure you're managing that. Can't oh, stress that enough. Because Oh, you know what? I'm glad you spoke on that because I've been cancer. Well, December 13th will be 13 years for me being cancer free. So kudos to you, you know, to to know that you're still here after being exposed to it uh, three times. And then listening to Tina, it's been 23 years for her. Uh, you know, that that gives people hope like myself to know that, hey, um, I, I've got a good chance of staying here a, a little longer. Right. Because looking at statistics, uh, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in the United States, except for skin cancer. So approximately 12.9 percent of women will be diagnosed with female breast cancer at some point during their lifetime. So uh, in 19, excuse me, in 2018, there was an estimated uh, three million, three over three million women living with female breast cancer in in the United States. That, that's that's those are some high numbers. They really you are. Know, and as and as of the end of 2020, there were 7.8 million women alive who were diagnosed with breast cancer in the past five years, making it the world's most prevalent cancer. So now in 2023, an estimated amount of 297,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States. That's a lot of women. The numbers are staggering. Staggering. Yeah, staggering. And it's not just the person who's diagnosed, it's the entire family. So we give, you know, we share these numbers and from time to time on what the statistics are related to breast cancer diagnosis, survivalship, um, the different types of breast cancer. But when you think about it, it's exponential. So it's that woman, but it's that woman's family. It's her circle of friends. It's it's your entire world, and it's exponential how it were. I remember going with my mom to a radiation um, appointment that she had. Her breast cancer had spread to her bones, and her lower back was deteriorating, so it became very difficult for her to walk. And I went home one week to help her because she couldn't get out of the bed. And um, I took her to an appointment and what really, and at that point, you know, I was in my journalism career. So I was reporting, um, as I mentioned, for the RJ and had written for several papers around the West Coast. And it just, for me, it was the faces of the people, the pain, and everyone had a different expression. And in that moment, I wanted to do a project that captured that because I feel like everyone is having a different experience in reaction to their loved one going through breast cancer it's not just the breast cancer patient it is it's the mother it's the it's that it's the husband it's children it's the sister it, it may be a boyfriend it may be a girlfriend whatever but everyone is having a different experience and reaction a different set of fear hopelessness hopefulness um going through it and, and like you said must my, my faith base my belief in god is what took me through and brought me to the other side. But I admit, and, I, and I'm not going to sound like it's all been this hunky-dory and I'm just this positive attitude person. When I was diagnosed the second time, I was flat out angry. And so one of the things I tell people 
Go through all of your emotions, feel those emotions and don't don't apologize for it. I think the very worst day of it when I was in the third one, because the third one came with chemotherapy was the day that I lost my hair. And even though my oncologist had told me this day was coming and she was to the money, 21 days after I started the really hard chemo, which went on for four months and I did. Um, intravenous treatment for a year from 2008 to 2009. But four months into it, I started in October of 08. Um, three weeks in, 21 days, she said, you will lose your hair. And I remember I went every week and got my hair from the moment she said it was going to happen. Because, you know, they tell you some of what to expect. And then I finally started my treatment course. So I got went to the salon every week, like clockwork, like just do it, just do it, just do it while I have it. And um, it was really pretty. And it was like shoulder length. I was like, just do it. But the day it all finally came out was the hardest, one of the hardest days, because that was the day that I looked like I was a cancer patient. And I did not like the reflection in the mirror. I looked like I was a cancer patient. And I didn't like that. Mm, yes. Well, for me, it's through the grace of God that I am alive today. And I never ask God why. Why me? Uh, after my first injection of chemo, uh, wow, you know, you're talking about toxic gas going through the whole entire body. And I had the most expensive type of chemo double, triple dose just to save my life. And there were times when I really did want to give up. But through the grace of God, I knew that I had to hang on. You know, I said, this is a tough battle, Avis, but you're a little warrior and you're going to fight and you're going to get through this. And I, to this day, I give thanks to my winning team of doctors in La Jolla, California, and to the American Cancer Society, because the American Cancer Society was very instrumental. And, and I have to share this. There are two other significant events that the American Cancer Society helped me through. And I never forget the day I got my first wig. <laughs> yeah, that's the day. You cannot believe the emotional and mental relief of being able to walk down the street or because I used to go for walks on the beach in San Diego. I was mm-hmm. born and raised in San Diego and and in stores without having people stare at me because of my bald head. You know, so it's something that you say with- that because now I, you can't pay me. <laughs> it's something that you say that and we're running out of time. You know, I, yeah. I wish we had a million years, just tons of time to talk about um, the different aspects and, and ways people can cope. But you can't pay me to wear a wig now I refuse if the breast cancer you know and it's fun women do it they do it to change their looks to try different colors you cannot pay me to consider I'm like nope I did wear one once I went to a EDC um, event to support um, one of the nonprofits here had a their theme was the EDC, EDI or EDC carnival thing and they had an event down on the strip and I had to get a wig and so I think that's one of the few times I put one on since 2008. And I remember the first day that I took it up. I went to a good friend of mine's house. He lived down the street and I came back from um, from Phoenix visiting my family. I said, I need to show you something. And he was like, what? And I was like, I'm coming right now. And I got in my car and it was like a mile down the road. And I ran to his house and I knocked on the door and he opened the door. And I was like, well, and he's like, what? And I'm like, standing there, you know, with my hair, this super, super short, like almost a buzz cut like military. 
And he acted like it was nothing. And I looked perfectly normal. And he always treated me like that. And I, I say, you need a person in your corner who's your champion to say through it all, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're wonderful, you're a great person, and you're going to be okay. And he was one of those people for me. And he was like, I told you you had a cute head. You look fine. And I was oh. like, <laughs> so, you know, but we were running out of time. And I, that's my that's my yeah. that's my tip. Have someone in your corner and just to tell you, you're beautiful, you're fine, you're going to be OK. And, you know, get your rest if you are dealing with it. Do something kind for someone who is going through it. Remember, remember, remind your friends to do their self-pressed exams and to get their annual um, mammograms and because early detection truly does make a difference. Avis, what do you want to leave with people? And then we, we're going to have to sign off this morning. But uh, stay strong, stay strong and you will get through the battle. Again, it was the American Cancer Society and the information I got from them that helped me get through the battle with their support and the will to finish the fight. So I hope and pray one day that we will be able to finish the fight. Absolutely. For cancer patients, yeah. cancer survivors, and their family and friends. So God bless you. Stay strong. And you can overcome this deadly disease. Um, as we round out October and our discussions on breast cancer awareness, I remind all the ladies out there, make, your, make sure you make yourself your priority and get your, your mammograms on an annual basis and just be in tune to your body. No one knows you better than you do. Have a great week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week. <laughs>